Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of FanRag Sports Premier League Podcast with me, Sebastian Noren. I'm joined by Elliot Niblock. We are Polyless today, but you will you will hear Polly's voice. You will hear him <laughs> rant uh, in his mobile hot takes here. Uh, we had him record a little thing here as he was unable to record with us today so uh we'll see how it goes maybe it'll something we'll bring back we'll see we'll see how this one goes but first and foremost elliot how are you doing i'm uh, pretty good finally got some sun here in montana which is nice uh although i was camping in idaho the last few days so i don't know maybe it was sunny here while i was gone <laughs> okay so i just this is a totally non-soccer related but i ordered a watch uh, <laughs> okay off of amazon uh and it was, it had a compass, it had a whistle, and it had uh, a little fire, you know, the little fire rod thing and the scrape thing, so you can yeah, get sparks. Yeah, yeah. It had that, and uh, the uh, paracord, and what then cord? I, par- the paracord you can untangle it, and it's like a long, like you got for um, parachutes and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I ordered that. And then I got it, and I was like, "I'm never gonna use this." <laughs> so that's that's yeah. probably gonna be sent to my uh, my brother-in-law up in Canada. He might have yeah. better use for that than I do. <laughs> Actually, but. I have a zero-degree sleeping bag, and uh, the first night that we were in Hell's Canyon, yeah, we were camping in a place called Hell's Canyon, um, which is where the Snake River creates the border between Idaho and Oregon. But it was the first time that I've like needed a sleeping bag down to zero because it got down to like 15 or 20 the first night we were there Oof. yeah it was brutal but it was like sunny and 60 during the day so god i i hate camping hate really it. absolutely <laughs> hate it after doing army training and sleeping with 20 guys in a tent i'm like nope ah, okay never, that's never again i suppose that's a pretty fair reason to hate camping yeah and i mean the worst thing was going to the bathroom yeah yeah, because, I don't know. Yeah, it was not it was not great. I can tell you that. Yeah. But that's you know, well, whatever. We don't need to get into you know scatology and talking about pooping in the woods. That is true. I can just <laughs> say that the Swedish woods have a lot of mosquitoes. That's, oh, that's yeah, yeah. unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. So let's get into the soccer and big news yesterday. Mark Clattenburg, the uh, controversial referee at times, is leaving the Premier League, and uh, becoming the head of referees in Saudi Arabia. So he will he will still be officiating matches, though. Uh, yeah, the reports are he will still officiate a couple matches here and there. Yeah, um, I mean, it would I I would be surprised if he didn't. But yeah. also, I mean, it's very it, it seems a strange move, right? Yes. I mean, he's taking over. Apparently, Howard Webb held the position before him. I did not know that. Oh, um, I didn't know that either. I, and, just, I know that he's got an extremely lucrative career as, like, a public speaker. Yeah. So, <laughs> Howard Webb left the post 11 days ago, and now they replaced him with Mark Clattenburg. Reports are that he will earn 500,000 pounds a year, tax-free, and... Uh, that's five times his current salary, according yeah. to the Daily Mail. So well, I can understand also, it from that point. Because, I mean, there's only yeah. a limited time that you can be a referee. Yeah, and 
And also, in, I mean, the thing is, in addition to getting his payday, I also wonder if there isn't some element of just wanting to be a little bit less under the microscope, right? I mean, you know, we talk no. about Nana. Oh, no. I See, I I think of that may may be part of it. I mean, you know. No, he loves uh, being the center of attention. That's He loves being the center of attention, but, yeah, I mean, I guess this is a man with tattoos of matches that he's officiated exactly. on. <laughs> but that, that's the thing too. Like I, I feel like he's probably done as much as he has. I don't think that, you know, in the, in the world cup in Russia, I'm not, I mean, he might still be a referee. We, we don't know. Maybe he'll oh. still ref in the world cup, but I bet he probably, will. you know, doing the FA cup final last season, doing the champions league final and the European championship final, I feel like that's sort of its highlight. I don't think he's going to be able to top that. And then when you get a offer for this much money, I would, I mean, who wouldn't want to make five times more of what they do right now? And he'll probably be treated like royalty over there too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which is funny because he's going to a place that has actual royalty. Yes. Um, which I suppose England does too. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's been, boy, it's been so long since I lived in London. I'm not used to the tabloids assaulting me with the Royal families going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. I still, I, even if he loves being the center of attention, nobody likes being the center of attention and the subject of constant vitriol, which is just the case for a Premier League referee. I mean, it's the case. We, we, you know, it's the case for Premier League managers also. But he's not. He's not gonna get the kind of. I at least I don't think that he's gonna get the kind of you know just really vicious hate mail, um, and you know, be it from the press or whatever in Saudi Arabia that he endures in England, just oh, because. No. You know, it's people don't probably get quite as worked up over football as I don't know that anyone gets work, as worked up as supporters of English clubs anywhere. But that's, yeah. that's maybe not totally fair. But still, I, I mean, be a less pressure situation. Yes, absolutely. Less pressure. And I think that he can just enjoy the good life, really. Mm-hmm. Um, he's paid his dues or whatever. I mean, I'm not sad to see him go at all. I think he's often when he referees in the big games he has a tendency to put himself in the, you know, as the focal point, if whether it be a controversial call or a controversial non-call, there's been so many times where I've been swearing at Clattenburg sitting on my couch, um, whether it be when he's refereeing the team that I like, or it be just a big game. Yeah. I hate it when, you know, we sum up a game and then it's like, yeah, remember that one call or, oh, remember that non-call. And it's just the best a referee can do is be invisible. Yeah. And Clattenburg is all but invisible. Yeah, that is, that's very true. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a slightly strange move, but it's both not as high powered financially nor that much more strange than, I don't know, Carlos Tevez making millions in China. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if anything, and uh, we'll hear, you know, Paulie's take here in just a sec, but, you know, good on him Good on him for building his brand enough that it becomes, you know, headline news when a referee leaves. So uh, with that, we'll play you Paulie's uh, mobile hot takes. 
and we'll be right back afterwards. All right, mobile hot takes with Paulie coming down in three, two, one. Hey guys, uh, this is mobile hot takes with Paulie, and since I can't be on the show this week, and we'll get right down to it so that I could start dishing it out, and Elliot has some fodder to come back at me with. Uh, where else to start other than the biggest story of the day or week or month or probably even the year, but that is, of course, the big money transfer of Mark Clattenburg to Saudi Arabia in the biggest eyebrow-raising WTF move I've ever seen and also really got to respect the fact that Mark Clattenburg has turned himself into such a brand that a referee making that first of all that there is a big money transfer for a referee and the fact that said referee his when he decides to leave to go to Saudi Arabia it's front page news uh I don't know why he's going to Saudi Arabia I obviously did a deep dive into Saudi Arabia today and the winning team in Saudi Arabia gets uh not the winning team third place team in Saudi Arabia gets about uh $240,000 in prize money, what, what's the equivalent of $240,000 or $260,000, which isn't even as much as Wayne Rooney makes in a week. So I don't know how much money Mark Clattenburg will be making. Uh, it can't be like that much. He made 150,000 pounds in 2015, and that was the year before he did things like the Champions League final and the FA Cup final and the uh, Euro final. So it's just an eyebrow-raising move to begin with and now just makes watching the Premier League I guess not fun or there's no reason to watch it because we all know that everybody watches the Premier League only for Mark Clattenburg and sometimes Mike Dean. Um, on There was the return of Europe this week so obviously we'll go to the uh, biggest European competition today where United got back into winning ways 3-0. Um, Zlatan getting a hat-trick, I I guess that's cool if you're Seb. It would be nice if he could do that in the Premier League against like some real teams. <clears throat> but at the same time, Fox today called when they were talking about the Pogba brothers going up against each other. They said, it's so rare to see brothers going up against each other at the highest level. And Fox never lies. They never tell any false truths. So I guess that means the Europa League is now the highest level. And it just leaves us with, again, that same question that I think Seb asked me last week. Why the hell does Marijuan Fellaini still play? He was replaced at halftime with, by Jesse Lingard, and immediately United looked a lot better. And it's just, why does he even play? Like, why start? Why does he come on every game as a substitute? Why do you start the game with him if you know you're going to have to take him off because of ineffectiveness? It makes no sense. Uh, there was another European competition with the lesser teams earlier in the week. Uh, PSG just destroying Barcelona, which neither Seb nor I even remotely predicted. Uh, I'm sure Elliot wants to, whenever PSG play well, or if you're a non-Manchester United fan, you're going to want to throw the Angel Di Maria thing in our case. And let me just say this. Angel Di Maria. Imagine trading for Shaq in his prime, and then telling Shaq, all right, on defense, we want you to guard the other team's point guard, and on offense, we want you to stay to go nowhere near the box or the paint. We want you to hang out outside and, and take only mid-range jumpers. 
that was what Louis Van Hall did with Angel Di Maria. He essentially, he bought a Ferrari when all he was looking for was a car to take his kids to school with every day. And, like, you know, we know that that was what he was looking for because he found success when he replaced Angel Di Maria with... He found success when he replaced Angel Di Maria with Ashley Young, who is essentially the Toyota Camry of soccer players. So, yeah, it's not surprising that when Angel Di Maria left United and went to a club where they were like, oh, we have this Ferrari, let's drive it on open roads at 100 miles an hour, he performed a lot better. Um, Did anything else big happen this week? Oh, right. Did you ever watch the show Lost? I don't know if you did, if you didn't. There's an episode where Desmond is time traveling and he meets this woman, Eloise Hawking, who, you know, explains to him that if Desmond, you know, the universe has a way that it's supposed to turn. And if you do something to disrupt it, the universe has a way of fixing that issue. So, you know, if someone's supposed to die in a car accident and you save him from the car accident, you know, the next day a different accident happens and he dies. So the world turns a certain way and Arsenal disrupts the way the world turns by winning their group in the Champions League group stage. That just doesn't happen. So the universe just simply course corrected itself by having Bayern Munich not win their group, having the most inevitable draw ever of Bayern Munich drawing Arsenal because that's just what always happens and Bayern Munich just destroying them. But I'm not going to kick a man when he's down, you know, like it's, it's literally, literally like already beating a dead horse. Arsenal, they're already dead. Don't, you know, why, why would I go after them? I'm just kidding. This is my favorite time of the year. It's like mid-February comes and all of a sudden Arsenal implodes and it's just so great. You lose to Watford, you're going to plummet, you're, you're diving out of the top four. I don't think you have to worry about actually finishing out of the top four because uh, neither Liverpool nor Manchester United have any interest in becoming consistent enough to jump over you, but this is still the fun part of the year where you guys lose every week. You'll turn it around in April, I'm sure, but it's so much fun to watch this, and losing 5-1 to Bayern Munich was just so obvious. It, it was so obvious that if you took this script to like a Hollywood producer, they would be like, we can't turn that into a movie. It's too predictable. There's no plot twist. You know, oh, the Arsenal win their own group, win, finally win their group, but so Bayern Munich finished second. It, it was just so obviously going to happen. Uh, just dwell on that, Elliot, and now get ready for Sutton United in the ultimate can't-win game because either you lose to Sutton United and you are literally the laughing stock of England, or you beat Sutton United and it's like, well, cool, Congratulations on beating a non-league semi-pro club 6-0. And the rest of England hates you for knocking Sutton United out of the FA Cup. Speak to you next week. Okay, and we're back. Uh, You got to listen to Pauly's take on Klottenberg, his uh, thoughts on uh, United and their Europa League win over Saint-Étienne as well as some Champions League stuff as well. So, Elliot, I know that you're a broken man <laughs> after <laughs> Arsenal's, <laughs> Arsenal's uh, you know, just giving up, really, against Bayern it was, Munich. 
I mean, that that's the right way to put it. Although, in Polly's hot takes, I one bone I have to pick is that we've got to really, we've really got to talk about what the word literally means because it's not literally like beating a dead horse. Yes. Arsenal are a multi-millionaire football club in North London. They are nothing like a dead horse. No, nothing at all. But anyway, you know, dead animals aside, it was a woeful display. I mean, and it was especially frustrating because. On the eve of halftime, they had a couple really good chances to make it 2-1. And then you have to think that going into halftime 2-1, even if you allow two goals in the second half, you're in good shape going in to the second leg at home. Mm -hmm. But they just – and it's it's also – it's something that we've seen down the line, but it's more frequently happened as it did against Watford – as it's done a number of times this season, is that Arsenal have shown up in the first half, have been woeful and tepid and uninspired, and then they come out the gate in the second half and try to undo the damage that they allowed in the first, and sometimes they're able to save a point, oftentimes they're not. But this was the converse, and that I find actually almost more disturbing, right? That they they went into halftime in a really strong position. Um and honestly, the moment Laurent Koscielny went out of this game is the moment I knew we were doomed. I, di- I didn't think that we were five goals doomed because I didn't think that we would see this team just give up the way they did. But they, I mean, that's really the only way that you can describe it. And it's so I – mean, because in the first half, several Laurent Koscielny made I have, at least three last-ditch tackles – that may have saved goals, certainly stopped promising attacks from Bayern Munich. And even with him in there, I assumed they'd probably get one in the second half. And without him, I mean, Kakalan looks nothing like he did with the hunger that he had when he was recalled from loan at Charlton a couple years ago. He, I mean, he's just allowing pressure. I mean, Iron Robin's first goal was beautiful, but he Kakalan just let him come inside on his left foot, which... I, you don't do. I mean, the the like the cat's been out of the bag on Iron Robin's left foot for a decade, buddy. Come on. Yeah, that's it's just that's his go-to move. Yeah, it it is. It's deeply it's deeply frustrating, and I mean, I it, part of the actually, as I said, I was camping in Idaho. Part of the the sting of the loss was taken out of the fact that I wasn't even sure I'd get to see the game. So I, you know, I watched the game at the silver dollar bar in a town of like 500 people in Idaho outside of Kuski, where the bartender was like, yeah, we don't even have soccer in schools around here. There's no such thing. <laughs> so I was just happy to see the game. And at halftime I was thrilled. And then we left when it was four one. Cause it was just like, we've got two hours of driving left and this team doesn't look like, they even want to play the rest of this game, which means that Bayern Munich will score another goal, and they did. Yes, even Thomas Müller scored against them. Yeah, no it was, kidding. Apparently, it was only his fifth goal this season in all competitions. He hasn't, he hasn't scored in like sixteen games or Oof. something. And then What's up with here that? we are. Yeah, we're just we're just very charitable. That's it's charitable, charitable Arsenal. I mean, and and one of the things is that Arsene Wenger frequently he likes to talk about mental fortitude or mental fragility a lot and it's just i'm just so sick of it because you know we we come back and save a point after being terrible in the first half then it's mental strength 
but we totally collapse, then it's, you know, it's mental fragility. But what? No, like it's your job to address that. It is, and this is a correct term. It is literally your job, Arsene Wenger. And will it be your job much longer? I don't know. I mean, he said uh, yesterday or today uh, that if you know, even if he leaves Arsenal, he will manage somewhere else. But and and maybe that's for the best for him because whatever the issue is, he is not inspiring these players to play quality football. And again, that is literally his job. And for whatever reason, despite his, you know, numerous accolades, he doesn't seem to be able to do that job anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were some, you know, pundits calling for his resignation right after the loss. I mean, that's, that's that's a little bit extreme. Yeah. No, he he deserves he deserves to have as respectful a, a resignation as possible, which is at this point not even a resignation, right? It's just the, the seeing out the terminus of his contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and, don't you feel but, like it would be better though if he, if they came out and said, you know what, at the end of the season, Mister Vengare is leaving the club. You know, yes. Show your yes. appreciation for what he's done during the twenty years here. And yeah. um, you know, let him let him just see out his contract here. I I mean, I wonder. Remember if, the good times. Yeah, God. I and you know, one of the things that Paulie mentioned was the no win scenario of Sutton United. And a couple weeks ago, after the FA Cup draw, I said, you know, I was happy to have Sutton United. Right? Like you always you always want the club that seems on paper to be not you know the. Yeah, all all respect to them. They've done great to get this deep into the competition, but let's be real. This is a semi-pro club, and I would rather be playing them than Manchester United. Oh yeah, of but course. that's that's just it. Yeah. I'd rather be playing them than Manchester United's you know reserve squad. But but now on like yeah okay we beat Hull on a handball goal like great well done awesome otherwise a woeful loss to Watford. And getting demolished by Bayern Munich, now there is so much pressure. But Arsene Wenger has to rotate the squad. And so even though I don't think it would be entirely fair, because it will be a B-string team of players that play Sutton United on Monday for Arsenal. It'll be a mostly youth setup with a couple of veterans in there, a lot of veterans who don't normally get playing time. But if they lose... It's not fair to have that be a judgment on Arsene Wenger's tenure at Arsenal. But if they lose, I think he really might get sacked. And it's it's again, it's it's not totally fair, but it's also hard to argue with at that point. Yeah, I, I no matter what, they could lose the remainder of all the games this season. He's not going to get sacked. I don't know about that, man. I I don't know. Like it's the. The board seems totally fine with staying the course, no matter how damnable that course seems to be. But I, it's, I mean, no, you know, no job is automatic in the world. No. Right. So. But I'm, I'm almost wondering, too, that if he comes out and announces that, you know, I'm leaving after this season, if you can get sort of an effect from the players. Uh, sort of, you know, that we see a lot when you change managers during the season, that you get that little extra out of them just for the 
sake of okay, let's send him off as best as we can, so they at least yeah. get you know a top four finish and get back to the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, because it's so bad if they keep on you know having trouble with their form, and we don't hear anything about Wenger's future, they end up finishing outside of the top four, and then Wenger's like, okay, peace. Yeah, no that that would be awful, um, and I don't I don't think that I don't see that realistically happening. Uh, I but I don't know. I mean that would be that would really be the worst swan song possible, right? Mm-hmm. Is that his remarkable run of Champions League qualifications comes to an end and he says goodbye? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I also would be a fool not to say that it's on the table because if they put in a performance like they did against Bayern Munich against any Champions League or any excuse me any Premier League team, they could lose, right? You know, I don't with the like even if you play with that level of apathy against Sunderland, then Jermaine Defoe will make you pay. Mm-hmm. I mean, say nothing of a squad as fine-tuned quality and hungry as freaking Bayern Munich. And yeah, and, and another thing that Pauly said is that, you know, it's hard not to be fatalistic about it at some point and just be like, yeah, of course, we win the group and then we get Bayern Munich. Of course we do. But you know what? You show up and you play the game. If we'd lo- Even if we'd lost 3-1 to one and clearly been the worst team on the day, which we were, which Wenger admitted, then at least there's still some honor in that. There is no honor whatsoever in this loss it is a shameful day for any professional and yeah i mean they they should be ashamed of themselves because it's embarrassing yeah so before we move on here what do you think about the uh criticism against Mesut ozil because he's been getting a lot of flack here yeah i his i uh, i mean even his um agent came out here now and uh says that you know he's become a scapegoat i the thing is that he's a player who has always had the capacity to go missing in games i almost said ability but you don't really want to couch it that way because it's obviously not a good thing but i mean i think that that's part of the reason that real madrid were willing to let him go despite his like inarguable level of talent Mm -hmm. but he and again you know i was already touched on it but i don't know if you want to say it's a mental thing or what have you but he does he goes missing in games i but that said this is not reducible to him right like this is something much larger than just Mesut Ozil, which is going on with arsenal which maybe some of the criticism level leveled at Mesut Ozil is unfair but you you want you want to see a player react by react the way Alexis Sanchez does mm-hmm. right by getting fired up wanting to play and I mean I do I think that Urzel could take a page out of Sanchez's book yes yes I do do I think that Mesut Urzel is the reason that Arsenal are performing poorly no no I don't no yeah I mean it, it all almost felt like Sanchez was the only one who was up for this game. Yeah, I mean, and that's not the first time that's happened this season. And a couple times that's been the case, and we've been able to squeak out with three points 
you know, I would say that Hull was very similar to that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we looked a little better against Hull, but not by much. And it was still him who had to save us. And it was him who did save us. And eventually he's going to get tired of doing that and probably want to move on. I mean, the thing that concerns me most is that I think on the one hand, I think Arsenal probably need to part ways with Arsene Wenger. And yet on the other, I think if they do that, Ertzel is probably gone. Because, I mean, he's not been shy about the fact that Wenger is the reason he came and Wenger is a big part of why he would stay. Yeah. And, you know, feeling that he's being scapegoated if, in fact, he really does feel that way. You know, manager or agent comments always come with a grain of salt. But, you know, if the manager who brought him there leaves and he feels that he's being treated unfairly, why would he stay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he would land, though. Because I don't... tons of clubs would love to have him. Bayern Munich would love to have him. Yeah, they would. Dortmund would probably love to have him too. Yeah, also true. I'd like to see him at Dortmund if he had to leave Arsenal. That'd be that'd be nice. Yep. Okay, so uh, there was another game that was played at the same time as the Bayern Arsenal slaughter. Um, that was a Real Madrid taking a three to one win at home against Napoli. Uh, Napoli did look good at the beginning of this game, though they did take the lead, good goal by Insigne. But then, um, you know, Madrid flipped the script, scored three goals: Benzema, Kroos, and Casemiro. Casemiro's strike was wonderful, by the way. So uh, check that out if you haven't seen it. Um, you know, I I can. There's not. They did what they had to, really, I feel. Yeah. And it will be a tough away game. Napoli's not an easy way, an easy away game. And, yeah, uh, but, I mean, with the 3-1 advantage, even with that away goal, right? Like, I mean, although it is, it's not inconceivable to see if Napoli puts in a really good performance that they could win 2-0. Mm-hmm. That's possible. Yes. But, you know, <laughs> certainly Real Madrid are in better shape than the other giants of Iberia after the first leg. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, if Arsenal, they have a mountain climb, so will Barcelona. I mean, getting dominated by PSG, losing 4 nothing. This, you know, I thought Barcelona was going to win this one. I thought they were going to win it pretty easily. Mm-hmm. But... Talking talk about PSG showing up. I mean, I was you know messaging with some buddies who didn't see the first half, and I was like, "Yeah, they sort of reminded me of you know how Liverpool came out against Tottenham. That determination. Yeah. It was incredible to see. And you know, PSG for all the money they've pumped into this club, the Qatari owners. You know, they they they're still waiting for that big breakthrough in Europe." And um, this could be it. I mean, I don't want to pull, you know, I don't want to pull this win out of proportion too much because this is not a great Barcelona side. No, but it is a Barcelona side that has a chance to turn it around in the second leg, which is untrue of Arsenal, even if they have you know similar mountains to climb. Right. I, that, I mean, they're a, a team with any, any time you have, Messi, Neymar, and Suarez, you have a chance to score four or five goals in any game, right? But they don't – I mean, they just don't look consistent 
I mean, they're not terribly different from Liverpool in that respect. I mean, I don't think Liverpool has quite the quality going forward that Barcelona do. But nonetheless, they're just not quite as consistent defensively as they need to be if they're going to be dominating teams um, in the way that Barcelona have in previous years. Yeah, and I definitely feel like they got overrun in midfield. You know, Iniesta not in you know full health, what it seems like. Uh, Busquets... You know, he might have had his best days. And then Andre Gomez was poor, really. And if you can't get the service up to those three attackers, yeah, you're mm-hmm. going to have trouble. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, I was still shocked by the way that PSG dominated this game. Uh, Di Maria, Cavani, Draxler all scored for PSG. Di Maria with two goals had a wonderful game. And like Paulie was saying, you know, yeah, we, you know, at Manchester United fans, they do get to hear quite a lot about, oh, you know, Di Maria this, Di Maria that. But he was not a good fit under Van Hall. No, no, he wasn't. But I I mean, I think that that's, well, Paulie's true of that. The, you know, the problem wasn't, you know, the problem is you want to get rid of the tepid driver, not the Ferrari to continue his extended metaphor. Yes. Get rid of the driver. Yeah, Van Hall was there way too long, and I mean, I I think that Di Maria would have fared a lot better under Mourinho. Yeah, even Definitely. though Mourinho's you know similarly kind of defensive first in his tactics, I I I totally agree that yeah. uh, that that would have been a better fit managerially for the player. Yeah, so well, I mean, we'll see if Barcelona. I mean, you can't really count Barcelona out, but it seems like Messi Messi's been so good this season, and he's sort of overshadowed some of the shortcomings of this side um but yeah i mean barcelona at home yeah they can win four nothing they can win five nothing but at the same time psg can go into that game and they can really just focus on counterattacking, make sure they have you know 11 guys behind the ball at all time yeah, I mean, you just at this point you've got to bet on PSG to continue go through the the tie and you know win it. Yeah, and then Benfica Dortmund that was the other game. Dortmund they had their chances in this one. They lost one nothing to Benfica. Uh, Mitruglu with the lone goal in this one. Um, I mean, I I still feel like they can yeah, and- turn this around. Yeah, they. I I think they can, but you know, Benfica's been. Uh, I mean, they. You know, <laughs> they are one of the the one year that I was so sure that it wasn't going to be like all the others, and Arsenal were going to make it out of the round of sixteen. Benfica was there to undo us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Similarly, with woeful defending by Alex Oxlade Chamberlain shipping in the winner, although that was not the winner in Munich the other day. It was rather just the agonizing insult to injury fifth goal. Yeah. I mean, Benfica, they're a good side, and on their day, you know, they can go up against teams that on paper are significantly better than them. Yeah. I mean, but they're, although that said, they're also a significantly good team, I think. Yes. It's important to remember. Yeah. they just might not have the same name recognition as a team like Dortmund. No, definitely. No, no. Although, I mean, you know, it's not that long ago that, you know, before the days of Klopp, that Dortmund had been, you know, uh, you know the, the 
not not quite the stature that they are now, mm-hmm. shall we say? Yeah. Um, but I mean, you're you're looking at their attacking duo. You got Aubameyang and Royce, whereas for Benfica you got Mitruglu and Rafa Silva. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, Aubameyang and Rice is better. <laughs> that's that's yes, inarguable. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, but it makes for. A, I mean, at least that one still feels open. Yeah. I don't oh, feel absolutely. like any. Yes, Barcelona might be able to pull it off if they can get back to playing well again. I know that they do have been playing a lot of games. I think there was fourteen games in thirty-one days or something like that. Um, yeah. So they might be a little bit fatigued because. Although it's a great starting eleven, it's not the deepest of sides. Um, no, and I think Real they're gonna pull through, and Arsenal would need the miracle of our miracles to to flip the tide against Bayern. Yeah, no, it's not, and it's and the thing is that they've they've come close to those miracles a couple of times in the past. But I, this is a team that looks so dejected that I, you know, even though their first leg collapses in the past have been not as monumental, but still remarkable. I mean, this is, this is a mountain that they cannot climb. Uh, And I, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn, right. In terms of what they should do in the second leg, should they just play reserve and youth players? Technically, no. I mean, that doesn't really send a good message. But realistically, this game is over. Yeah, well, let me pull up their schedule here real quick and just see what's uh, around that game. So they play Liverpool the game before. So on the 4th of March, they play Liverpool away. Then they have the game against Bayern. And then four days later, they have a home game against Leicester. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, home game against Leicester this season is sort of a gimme never underestimate the arsenal to collapse <laughs> but how, but how do you how do you take on that away game against I mean, liverpool because that's a yeah. that's an important game that's a, it's a huge game it's a huge six pointer at the top of the table and i think that i mean i think that you've gotta play as strong a side as possible against liverpool and then you know ro- rotate the squad a little bit against bayern munich yeah uh, and one thing one thing I will say, I mean, for Arsenal's performance against Bayern Munich is that the only, there are two players in my mind who stood out as not completely terrible, and those two players are Laurent Koscielny, whom I mentioned already, and David Ospina. And I think that he deserves a word for being, you know, I don't think that he was really at fault for any of the goals. I mean, the one that you could really say maybe was the deflection but no. that was a pretty that was yeah. a pretty wicked deflection yeah you can't he was all his momentum was going where he thought the ball was going to go and then it took the deflection and it no yeah you can't fault I mean, him he, for that so he he had a good he had a good game in that um mm-hmm. and that wasn't to me in that mm-hmm. but i That's fine. I, I think that i yeah i mean it, it's just you're going to have to rotate the squad against Bayern Munich and I mean, I think that it's just going to be you're playing for pride and you're also going to want to rest some of the players who played in a game that was about much more than pride at Anfield just three days prior. Yep. Okay, quick note, Europa League, Manchester United won 3-0. Uh, was that the easiest hat-trick ever for Slatan? 
<laughs> seemed pretty easy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So three nothing, all goals by the giant Swede. Uh, other results, really. Tottenham, man. <laughs> yeah, Seriously, I, mean, I our our defeat was probably more embarrassing than losing to Ghent, but not that much. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're doing here. I mean, even because it was basically a first eleven. I mean, yeah. Harry, Harry Winks got the start. Sissoku got the start. Other than that. You know, Kane, Ali, Dembele, Moniyama, Dyer, Alderweireld, Walker, Ben Davis is in because uh, Rose is injured, um, and then Loris in that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's <laughs> I, I. It was the lone bright spot in an otherwise very dark week as an Arsenal supporter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know other notable results. Um... Roma won four nothing away to Villarreal. It's pretty good. Yeah. Jekko with the hat trick. Man, Jekko. Mm -hmm. I haven't thought about him in a while. No, is he, he Bos he's Bosnian, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, he's a good player. He just, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just been the thing that you know behind Sergio Aguero at City, you can't get much playtime. No, <laughs> no one can. No. <laughs> So it is what it is. Okay, let's um, switch things up here and go to the FA Cup. Um, kicking off at 7.30 a.m. Eastern on Saturday. We got Burnley against Lincoln City. Dang. Well, that Lincoln City is now the club that I'm going to be cheering to go deep in this competition because I clearly can't cheer for Sutton United anymore as an Arsenal yes. fan. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they are in the National League. They're topping that one. Uh, 64 points, three points ahead of Dagenham and Redbridge. And mm -hmm. then, Dagenham. Uh, yeah, and then you got Forest Green Rovers and Tranmere. I mean, Tranmere, actually, remember. Macclesfield Town's in there as well. Yeah, there's some there's some old clubs here. York City. Ooh, they're in relegation zone. Ooh, ooh. Yep. So, yeah, Lincoln City... That will be your uh, small team that you hope go far. I understand that. Um, I mean, Burnley at home, they've been really good. So, you know, even if they do rotate the squad a bit, I feel like, you know, they're already having a good campaign in the league. So why not give it a go in the cup as well? Yeah. Uh, Middlesbrough, they take on Oxford United. Uh, that's another team I'd like to see do well. And <laughs> admittedly, that's my football manager equivalent just because back you know a year or two ago i had a fifa manager mode with them and brought them up to be perennial champions league contenders oh wow yeah i'm gonna keep harping you that you need to play football manager they're not a sponsor yeah. of this podcast but it's the best football manager game out there yeah. uh, oxford sitting in mid table in league one um so i mean playing it's it's always tough as a smaller club going to big bigger place, you know. Middle, yeah. Club, I mean, yeah, they're not super terrifying, but no. But Borough should still win that game. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Huddersfield, they get some uh, big stars coming in to John Smith Stadium as they take on Manchester City. Yep. Yeah. And uh, that'll 
that'll be a heavily rotated squad, I imagine. I would be very surprised if Aguero plays in that game. Tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, we said Iannaccio will probably get the start, uh, mm-hmm. especially now with uh, Gabriel Jesus being out. Um, they uh, fear that he might be out for the remainder of the season. Oh, really? I hadn't heard that. Yeah, f- f- fracture in his foot. Oh, damn. Yeah. Boy, yeah. So that that's a tough blow for them after his you know phenomenal start. Oh, truly phenomenal! So ah, absolutely, we'll see. They they say he could be back as early as you know early April, but most likely you know why risk it at that point? Really? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, especially especially if at that point Man City's place in the table is pretty much mm-hmm. a foregone conclusion, which yeah. is like likely to be. You know, if he's if he's realistically probably not going to be totally match fit until mid late April, and then that's you know a lot of time those games are purely academic. Yeah, if if they already know they're going to be secured like second or third, then whatever really. Huddersfield having a good season in the championship. They were in third. Oh, are they really? Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that they oh, were yeah. in uh, uh, promotion contention. Oh yeah, they got. They got a good showing here. They they're trailing. So at the top of the championship, we find Newcastle sixty six points, then Brighton and Hove Albion sixty five points, and then we got Huddersfield at sixty one points. Well, I hope Brighton get promoted. There, <laughs> I lived in the neighborhood, technically township of Brighton in Boston, and uh, played another manager mode with them on FIFA and brought them up to also be perennial champions. There we go. <laughs> so, yep. Good for you, Brighton. Yeah. Uh, one upset warning. I don't even know if it is an upset warning at this point, but Millwall, they play at home to Leicester City. No, I think, I think that's still... I mean, Leicester's had a, a rough campaign, and in order to try to, you know, avoid relegation, they will likely rotate the squad tomorrow against Millwall, but any, I mean, I don't, I don't care that they've had a bad year. Any time <laughs> that you're hosting the reigning Premier League champions, yeah. it's it's still an upset. Yeah, you're the no underdog. Longer. You're the underdog. Yeah. yeah, especially if you're in sixth place in League One, as yeah. my role is right now. So, um, you know, they'll be hoping to get back to the championship. I know they made it all the way to the uh, playoff final last season, but they got uh, beaten there. So um, we'll see how they fare this season. Millwall, back in the day, they had uh, some of the nastiest fans. Oh yeah, they were their hooligans were, you know, famous for infamous uh, brut- yeah brutality and never giving an inch. Yep, late game on Saturday. That's Wolves taking on Chelsea. So Wolverhampton Wanderers. Boy, that would be that. That would be a nice bit of schadenfreude as an Arsenal supporter to see <laughs> if they could pull that off, but mm-hmm. I doubt it. Yeah, I mean, they I doubt uh, it. They did manage to knock out, you know, they took a very nice win over Liverpool away yeah. in the fourth round, but uh, I don't know. They're, I mean, they're in the relegation zone in the championship, aren't they? Uh, let me check that real quick. They are sitting... Uh, no, they're in 18th. Oh, okay. Yeah, but still. But not far. <laughs> no, there are six points above the drop. Yeah. Which include Wigan, Blackburn, and Rotherham. Woof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, they're only one point behind Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man, oh, man. Oh, woof. Yep. Sorry, Villa. Yep. I mean, not that sorry, but somewhat sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, it, that's a it's a tough, uh, tough matchup for them, of course. Uh, they do have some players that we might recognize, I think. <laughs> Who do they have? And, oh, yeah, they do have former Aston Villa striker Andreas Weimann. Really? Yep. Uh, Helder Costa, Portuguese striker. Uh, other than that, you know, uh, Cameron Borthwick Jackson. Yeah, I was just going to say yep. Borthwick Jackson. Yep. So we'll see if he can do any damage there. But um, I mean, it's going to be tough, even if Chelsea do rotate a bit. Um, although they don't really have all their youth players are out on loan. Yeah. So we'll see what happens I mean, there. And... Maybe Michu Bachuai gets to start a game for once. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you still have to pick Chelsea to win that. Oh, yeah. And do so without too much trouble, I think. Yep. Sunday, we got a nice little London derby between Fulham and Tottenham to kick things off. 9 a.m. Fulham. Fulham. Yeah, Fulham. Fulham. Yep. Craven Cottage. Michael yep. Jackson. Yeah, Craven Cottage. I mean, at this point, I'm just being mean, but I really hope that Spurs loses this one too. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I both actively like Fulham from the days of Clint Dempsey being there before he was actually on Spurs. It's funny he he was always one of my favorite players. I mean, I think he's one of the greatest American outfield players of all time, and. He, yeah, you know, I've enjoyed watching him at Fulham. I'll never forget the quote Dempsey super strike, the chip goal that he had against Juventus to get the fourth in their incredible turnaround um, to continue in the Europa League. But then he went first to Tottenham, my my you know Arsenal, my European clubs are tribal, and then he went to Seattle, mm-hmm. my MLS clubs are tribal. I was like, God damn it, Clint. Yep. Yep. Uh, Fulham, we should say that they have Ragnar Sigurdsson, the Viking from Iceland. Um, I was a bit surprised he didn't get a bigger move than that. Yeah, I kind of was too. I mean, because he had a great Euros. Yeah. Um, I mean, campaign into the Euros even. Yeah. Uh, From an American perspective, they have Tim Ream. Mm -hmm. And what else? They have Scott Parker. That's nice. And uh, Lucas Piazon up front. Uh, he's on loan from Chelsea. Yeah, I was going to say. So. Yep. so, I mean, we'll see if they can do any damage. I mean, if you're Spurs, though, I mean, with this defeat against Ghent or Ghent or however you say it in Flemish, um, how would you for, you know, how would you pull up the team if you're Pochettino? I mean, it's that's really hard to say. Um, they, their next game is that return leg against Ghent, and which, I, but in the grander scheme of things, neither of these competitions is their a number one because they want to qualify for the Champions League again, first of all, yep. and they're currently even on points with arch rivals Arsenal, but have the advantage on goal difference. So, I mean, I think that their focus still has to be squarely on the Premier League. 
but you know that said as you pointed out they i mean i i don't know they're i think that they've got to line up with some rotation against villa because it's i mean it's villa <laughs> but i don't i don't know it's it's hard to say yep then uh the uh, lunch game that's blackburn taking on Manchester United at Ewood Park. It's been a while. They haven't yeah. played each other since 2012. Oh, that has been a while. I yeah. mean, back, you know, 10 years ago, they were uh, kind of really in the thick of it. But that's, I don't know. That's a, a Blackburn Rovers. I have a friend who grew up partially in Spain, partially in Iowa when he was a kid and Blackburn were his favorite club when he was a ch- child. But then it was just like, Ooh, they're, they're not really the perennial powerhouse that they once were. Nope. No, <laughs> and no, no, no. perennial powerhouse is probably even too strong a phrase to I describe mean, were, their they glory. Were, day. They were good there at the start of the premier league. They, they were a good side. They had Alan Shearer. I mean, that was a good club. But I don't see them having any shot here at United. United are going for the cups here. That's their, yeah. you know, that's their chance of getting some silverware. Uh, they're going for it in the Europa League. They're already in the EFL Cup final. Um, and I mean, heck, if you can end up the season with three trophies, yeah. Even if you finish fifth in the in the league. Can you really say it was a bad first year for Mourinho? Fortunately not. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would rather trade yeah. one or two of those trophies for the fourth spot, but, um, you know. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I think that Manchester United has the pedigree and the money to – still lure world-class players even without Champions League football. So I don't... I mean, obviously, you want to be in the Champions League yeah, and you, and I mean, just to watch it. And but. I mean, that that's why the Europa League is so important. Go and win the Europa League and you're in the Champions League. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, that should be almost the main focus right now is Europa League. Okay, then you got EFL Cup final. That's nice. You're already in a final. And then, you know, take on the FA Cup as good as you can too. I I do think we'll see some rotation, but um, at the same time, Mourinho, he, he usually uses very few players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wouldn't expect, although I would like to see some of the, you know, higher rated youth academy products get a shot. I don't see that happening really. Yeah. Then Monday, Sutton United against Arsenal. I mean, it is, as Paulie said, something of a of a winless situation. But I, I mean, it's it's not. Again, there's here's that word again. It is not literally a winless situation. It is a game they can win. Yeah. It is a game they should win, and it's a game that if they fail to win, then I mean, boy, the hounds are really going to be at the door. Yeah. So let's give you some info here on Sutton. United. They have a very confusing logo, first and foremost. <laughs> what a lot, you, what? <laughs> there's a lot of colors going on here. A lot of colors. Just pull up their Wikipedia page. Yeah, there's, I mean, the... They have a parrot, 
I think that's a parrot. It looks like a parrot. I mean, yeah, yeah let's, let's just call it a parrot. It's a parrot on top of a knight's helmet. And the parrot seems to be holding something in... It's the cross. It's... Oh, yeah. although it's really, it's pretty poorly illustrated. It's not mm-hmm. so much holding the cross as kicking a cross that happens to still be upright. Yes, it's kicking a cross, <laughs> and then you got feathers coming out that are gray and blue, but then you got the team name in green and yellow, or green and gold, maybe. Yeah. You got a shield with a couple more crosses going down, and then you got two keys, one key on each side. Yeah, a red um, key in a white field and a blue key in a yellow field. Yeah, but... their nicknames are the U's and the Amber and Chocolates. Um, they <laughs> I were love that. they were founded 118 years ago, almost 119 years ago now. The, well, but the yeah. U the U's as in not the letter but a female sheep, right? Uh, I, I don't know. E W E, right? Is that their nickname? No, the U's like U. Just you. Oh, so yeah, as yeah. in the United's, the yeah, U's. Yeah. Uh, I was like, okay. I was like, yeah. their, their nickname is a female sheep. Yeah. That doesn't seem very fierce. They play their games at Gander, Gander Green Lane in Sutton. Uh, capacity is five thousand thirteen, uh, where seven hundred and sixty-five of those are seated. Wow! wow. I mean, I, I Boy, love this. Yeah, yeah no, I love this. This is I'm, awesome. I'm really- forward to seeing this game even if it ends up being another pathetic display by arsenal but the thing is that we've got they've got it they've got to win this game yeah but they might not we'll see yeah they play in the national league the fifth tier of english football so uh, yeah this uh i mean could be interesting mm-hmm. as long as it's nil nil they'll have hope yeah well, we'll see. And there's no Arsenal fixtures the following weekend. So, I mean, you know, granted there'll be some fatigue, certainly a lot of mental fatigue coming back from Germany after getting hammered by Bayern. But, yeah. you know, would when, you, since, would you... since we were going to play Southampton, but since they're playing y'all in the EFL Cup final, we have yeah. a long time till our next match. So, got to just, just go for it, guys. Do you I've... start with Giroud up front? I feel like this is a game that no, might suit him. No, no. Start Perez up front. Ah. Perez. I, I, I just. I, I think that on the one hand, you're right. We st- we should still win with Giroud up front, but you know, granted, I can't totally choose him. <laughs> this really would be scapegoating, but I can't totally blame him for the poor Arsenal displays because at first I was thinking, well, we look static when we start with Giroud up front. And while I still think that that is partially the case, I mean, we, he never starts. Yeah, he, he, he rarely starts, but yeah. when he does, we tend to look a little flat footed. Yeah. Um, but he, I don't know. Flat feet should still win this tie. I feel like he has been a good sport though. Yeah. Cause you yeah, haven't I, heard, you haven't heard any complaining. I got to double check how many games he's actually started here. So in the league this season, he's only started six games. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, 11 games coming off the bench. Eight goals, three assists. Yeah, but I mean, a lot of his goals have been crucial late-game goals that have translated directly into saved points. So, I mean, you can't say that he's had really a bad year, but he has clearly been on the outs. Um 
he's again i've said this before he's a player who i rate whom i rate very highly but he's never going to be a world beater that's yeah. just the way it is that is true mm-hmm. uh last thoughts before we sign off here i, I so i i mean i i have to get back to arson wenger right and the fact that he said that even if even if he leaves arsenal he will continue managing. And I, again, I, I think that there will, yeah, either whether it's at Arsenal or somewhere else, he says he will continue managing. Um, and he said, so his quote is, quote, no matter what happens, I will manage next season, whether it's here or somewhere else, that's absolutely for sure, end sure. quote. And, Wenger to China. Oh, God. Boy, that, you know, that would that would actually be, interesting on some level just because he got his start in japan Mm -hmm. well not i mean not his you know not his earliest days at monaco but um you know he kind of proved that his system could be successful um and he uh, it it would be interesting if he went back to asia for kind of a swan song payday in his career but i don't think that's happening i mean i think that there will be a number of clubs that would be happy to have him. I mean, it would be, boy, wouldn't it be interesting if Dortmund and Arsenal swapped managers? <laughs> yes, that would be uh, pretty interesting. Or, I mean, he could go back to Nagoya Grampus 8. Yeah, in Japan. in Japan. I mean, they are I they are in the second division now, though. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think that he's going back to Japan. I mean, I think that... More likely than anything else, we'll see him managing somewhere on the continent. Um, yeah, but Damn. but we'll see. Okay, so sorry. Now I'm at Nagoya Grumpus Eight's wiki page here, and their stadium takes forty five thousand. Yeah, that's that's a pretty sizable stadium, actually. Oh yeah. Yep, Toyota Stadium. Uh, let's see. So I got to read this quote from uh, Clattenburg's uh, <laughs> press conference. Um, okay, so this is what he said to the Saudi Arabian journalists that were on the presser. My name is Mark Clattenburg. I'm from a city called Newcastle. Anybody who knows England well knows we have the best team in the country. <laughs> I, I was recently voted the best referee in the world. Therefore, I bring a wealth of knowledge and passion for improving refereeing and education here in Saudi Arabia. Yes. Wow, God, he's just such a tool. I mean, I, you you've got to expect that his Newcastle comment is is poking fun at himself, right? It's got to be tongue in cheek. <laughs> I mean, he is a he is an outspoken Newcastle supporter. That's why he didn't ref their games. Um, but yeah, I mean, never change. I guess Mark Clattenburg, <laughs> good riddance. I once ran into a few guys uh, who were from Newcastle who were uh, military men stationed in Arizona and was at the Titan Missile Museum and mentioned Newcastle United to them. And I'm like, yeah, well, we're top of the table at the moment. The only problem is it's the the wrong table. (laughs) We're in the championship that year. Yep, there you go. Okay, so with that, we'll say goodbye. We'll talk to you again after the uh, FA Cup action this weekend. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Noren. Elliot is Keith was better. And if you want to give Polly an advice on how to do his hot takes better next time, 
Uh, it's P. Costell WFAN. And be sure to give FanDrag Sports a follow as well. And we'll talk to you again soon. Until then, have a good one. Thank you.